2: Good evening everyone and welcome to Ghost Chronicles International right here on Toji Nut Radio and Parax Radio. I am Ron Cole with your host. And with me across the cold Atlantic is on the wind-blown shores of Wales is the gold standard in ghost hunting Steve Parsons. Hello, it's actually quite warm here.
1: Um effects yes. yeah we're having a heat, we're having a heat wave.
2: What's uh, up to... Uh, oh, wait a minute. i going to translate it to Celsius, so you would understand. Mid, mid-60s. Mm-mm. That's Celsius?
1: Uh, yeah. It's in the mid-60s Celsius. No, the mid-60s far high.
2: <laughs> okay. So, welcome to Ghost Chronicles International. And uh, we continue our show on EVPs. Because... Yes. Yeah. We can.
3: Because <laughs> we can.
1: And, um... I was out on Saturday night, um, during, well, I was, I was uh, observing, observing a ghost investigation conducted by three paranormal teams, and one of the most common devices, in fact, uh, universally deployed, uh, were EVP recorders and SB-11 spirit boxes uh, were aplenty.
2: So, uh, it seemed to be the go-to piece of equipment. Steve, can you hear me all right? Perfectly. Because you seem to be talking over me. I, just, just, I know that's not like you. So, uh, so I mean, what is the difference between an EVP, EVP recording device and a uh, digital recorder? Well, none whatsoever.
1: It should, they're both just recorders. Um, but there okay. are... There are um, what they were using is uh, audio recorders. So these were digital recorders. Um, but they also had, in addition... Spirit boxes, which are also EVP devices. Oh, just shoot. Um, Yeah. These are the ones that, these are the broken radios. Mm -hmm. So they have no recording facility as such. Um, As as we talked about last week, traditional electronic voice phenomena research uh, requires that you ask a question and you wait for a response on a recorder and then you play back the responses and Mm -hmm. interpret the but with spirit boxes which were uh really a very recent invention going back to well certainly this century with frank sumption uh the american uh investigator who started to put together this idea um and if you break a radio
2: you can hear ghosts
1: That uh, no, well, something didn't. didn't, What he used was some old car radios, uh, AM radios, which he disabled the tuner lock on, um, so that the radio was constantly tuning up and down the dial. Mm -hmm. And this has given rise to the broken radio, the the shack hack radios, and a generation of other devices that have followed, right up to the present day, where you can pay upwards up to six hundred and. um, currently, I think about $625 for a Steve Huff designed por- paranormal portal, which has got to be the biggest joke I have ever seen, because what Seriously? is it? Seriously. Let me, let me just, first of all, you need to, you need to have a, a, a spirit box. So a radio, uh, mm-hmm. a sound source or a phone app. That you plug of course into
2: I found it. It. I,
1: I should have thought so. Of it. Or, or, so you plug this into your device.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I, uh, this is the this is so that's in addition to this six hundred and twenty-five dollar device
0: mm-hmm.
1: designed to Steve Huff's strict requirements. Right, what it consists of is a silver metal box, uh, like an old-fashioned radio.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um. On one side of it, it has a reverb pedal from an electric guitar, guitar. (laughs) and on the other side of it, it has a noise killer pedal from a guitar. So it's got two guitar effects pedals, one on either side of it. Oh, good. Um, So the signal from your spirit box goes into these two guitar effect pedals, Mm -hmm. Um, and the box then has to aid it. It has a piece of copper wire wound around the top of it with an amethyst crystal uh, glued to the wire and blue LED Christmas lights stuck Gotta inside help. it. And that's all it is. So, so what we, do the pedals
2: do? Uh, well, are they have they, do exactly,
1: they are actual pedals, Velcroed or Araldite to the side of the thing, and the signals pass through them. Uh, one of them is a reverb um pedal and apparently the noise suppressor pedal, um the first one, the noise killer suppressor pedal, what it does is remove the chop 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 of the noise from the scanning radio. I love that and then the the rest of the sound is then fed through a reverb. So it gets all echoy. It's like shouting down a
2: metal So basically the storage what you're telling me. Yeah, it just distorts it even more. Okay. All right. I just want to make sure that, that you know, uh, yeah, well,
1: I well, right. I don't know how much a, 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 dollar, a set of Christmas lights from a dollar store, uh, LED Christmas lights from a dollar store, uh, a, few, a few AA batteries to power it, two effects pedals which are about 35 to $50 each, and a box mm-hmm. to put it all in, um, a couple of feet of copper wire and an amethyst crystal. Six hundred and twenty-five dollars.
2: Well, that's well worth it.
1: Huh. Yeah, there's um, I mean, there are other variations on these wacko devices now. Um, there's one. Uh, uh, there's one that's there's there's the inevitable steam. Oh my god, I've just noticed there's an EVP wrist uh, smartwatch wrist recorder. I have one of those. Oh, you do, uh, yeah. but this. This is the newest one on the market. Two hundred and sixty-three dollars will buy you a Poltercom. This Poltercom, <laughs> yeah, the Poltercom. This is from our good friends, I, I believe, at Paranologies. Um, this is well, it looks like a cuckoo clock. Uh, so, a steampunk cuckoo clock. The whole thing is three D printed, um, and it's got an echo processor to distort the sound. It's got an extended antenna for better reception. Oh. Uh, just shoot me. Um, and a talkover button. Ah. Apparently, the Polticom is 3D printed with simulated copper filaments, and it takes 15 hours to print and then 10 hours to glue together. Ah. That's special. And, yeah, it just looks, for all the world, like a cuckoo clock with the mm-hmm. word photocom written on it, painted on it, engraved onto it. Interesting. Most, most people, uh, of course, couldn't be any further away from electronic voice phenomena.
2: Right. So, I, I just wanted to, to talk a little bit about it, but I'd, I'd like you to look in the, uh, the Skype chat and could you take care of that business for us. Uh, so, anyways, moving right along, uh, we talked a little bit about uh, Road Eye last week and... Uh, a lot of people forget about uh, Frederick Jurgensen, of course, and uh, I really, I—I I don't. I, correct me if I'm wrong, and I know you will. Uh, Jurgensen is really the father of EEP, and uh, his, he and Jurgensen—he and uh, excuse me, Rodai, actually worked together on a lot of their their things. So uh, we'll go into this a little bit. Uh, where was I talking about? Yeah, the uh, yeah work. There's there's actually a lot of people, but uh, uh, Rodive is probably the most popular because he was the one that brought the uh, the work of that they did to a publisher and had them uh, published in their book uh, Breakthrough, uh, an amazing experiment with electronic communication with the dead in uh, 1968. It was translated in English and. 1971. And uh-huh. uh, yeah, okay, you back with me? Yeah, I haven't left. Okay, so I was talking a little bit about Rodi, and I think you, you're you more familiar with him than I am. Uh, not Rodi, here we go. Jurgensen. Uh,
1: ra- 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 so yeah, we're back to uh, Rodiva again, or Jurgensen.
2: Jurgensen. Jergensen, All right, Because he, you know, a lot of people, we, we just jump to Rodi, we don't really talk about Jurgensen too much.
1: The well, Jorgensen was was considered to be the modern, the father of modern EVP. The guy was um, a film producer. He was also, uh, but he never really publicised it at the time, and it's it's rarely mentioned. He was also uh, a bit of a mystic, and he was out into the he went out in the forest recording birdsong, right, and encountered. A series of anomalous voices on his recordings, which he claimed were messages from or he recognized the voices as being that of his uh, deceased parents
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, with messages uh, that pertained to him and this intrigued him. he went back and he made further recordings and this resulted in him uh, writing a book and it was his book, uh, the name of which eludes me for the moment. Um, on Earth was that? Um, but Jurgensen Jürg- um, wrote a book, the name of which, as I say, completely eludes me for the time being. Um, ah, Voices from Space, that was it, I remembered. And Jurgensen collaborated with Raudiva. Mm-hmm. And um, with the work of Raudiva, of course, is well known because he brought his book to the UK in the in the 1960s, right, which we talked about a little bit. Which which what we talked about last week, week. Met, met Colin Smith, All
2: right, and it's it's interesting too. Is is they believe that uh, isn't it? Uh, and I, you know, how I get muddled up in a lot of things. Wasn't it after Rodi dive, dive his his image came through on a TV? Uh,
1: there have been there have been a number of people who claimed, in fact, uh, a lot of several EVP researchers have claimed that Roddieva. <laughs> has um, spoken to them from beyond the grave via electronic voice phenomena and also using a, a, a development of EVP, which is uh, called ITC, or Instrumental Trans right. Communication, which is more like what you see in the movie White Noise, where they, um, they use television and uh, video recording to, uh, not, uh, to go further than just the... Voices of the dead, but to actually capture images of the dead. Right, uh, this, yeah, and I, that I wasn't actually, really I, the I, work I, of Roudiwa, though. No, it wasn't. Uh,
2: and and could... I actually, I actually muddled that up because it was actually Frederick Jurgensen who supposedly came through on a on a uh, blank television channel of a colleague, and on in fact the day, the day his funeral was held. Uh,
1: well, well, so... well, well, you weren't wrong because Roudiwa actually has also claimed that his. Uh, it's also been claimed that diva has. Um, appeared Mm -hmm. uh, via ITC and EVP. He's both spoken to people. Eva I think is uh, key to EVP Um, and one of the most misunderstood areas of EVP which is the classification of the voices system that he used. Um, He gave uh, a series of classifications, Class A EVP or Class 1 EVP. Um, and then descending now that related entirely to intelligibility understandability and clarity so a class A EVP would be like we're speaking now it would be instantly recognisable and perfectly clear what uh, what you see a lot of with modern investigators is that um, class A the classification system class A is just their interpretation of a really good one because it said I'm going to kill you or yeah. that's what they say. It's saying when you actually listen to listen back, it's not even, you know, it, it wouldn't rate a class E on the Rao scale. Uh, but Rao did uh, give the world, uh, give EVP research a classification. He tried to classify the uh, voices he was capturing. The other thing that Rao did was he was interested in trying to understand where the voices were coming from. There was no blind acceptance that they were coming from spirit, and he you know that's the interesting.
2: thing You said that because we automatically jumped that that's the, the spirit. They're the voices of the dead, right? Uh, um,
1: well, he reached he reached a conclusion that uh, there could be no other solution because of the nature of the communications and the content of the communications. So, but he reached that as a conclusion after doing a great deal of experiments. You know, he was quite sceptical at the start. Um, there was no you know people Radeva wasn't a silly man. Um, you know he was he was a parapsychologist, he was a professor um, and a very intelligent man, and he approached it in a an objective and balanced way. and he he examined the claims of Jurgensen, and there were others, um, and reached a conclusion that, in his opinion, based upon the experiments that he was doing, um, that this could only be explained by the voices of the deceased or people who had you know uh, including the voices of the deceased because there are also evP recordings that are otherworldly in that they claim to be uh, never EVPs. having well yes and never having lived entities
2: yeah um now i mean we we talk about doing research and 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 most people go out and go out and they record a few minutes here, and see how they get one or two EVPs and and then, you know, they make all kinds of things. Our road dive, uh have like a 100,000 if, if I'm correct.
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, there there are plenty of researchers um, not just Raudiva, who have tens of thousands of recordings. Mm-hmm. Um, but Going back to Rowdiva's Raud, uh, research, um, mm-hmm. in addition to the classification system that he used, uh, as part of his understanding of the nature of the voices and where they were coming from, um, he he looked at eliminating things like electronic interference, trying to remove the microphone, and he, he attached a germanium diode to the input of the recorder. Hence
2: uh, the uh, I, Yeah.
1: Yeah, which you can, you know, I mean, you can you can buy any number of um, these devices now that are called roundyver diodes. In fact, there's on that site I was looking at before that have got uh, all those wonderful new EVP devices. Mm. Um, there's one that they've attached a Rodeva diode to a piece of quartz crystal because that makes it work better. But That's the right. Germanic diode is is really a very very cheap, less than a dollar device, and you. You can build a Rowdiva diode exactly to the plans that are contained within diva's book, Breakthrough. And indeed, they're freely available um, on the Internet if you Google the plans for a Rowdiva diode. You'll see it's an incredibly simple device. You don't even need to be able to solder. Um, you know, you go down to Radio Shack or one of the other um, supply stores, and you can buy these diodes. last or di- more Radio Shacks. Well, I mean, there are still suppliers. Um yeah. And you can get one of these, you can get a pack of 10, 10 diodes for a dollar fifty. Correct. Um, and then, you know, a couple of crocodile clips and you're in business. Yeah, there you go. So, so well,
2: anyways, we talked about some of the recordings that GroDyve uh, made. And uh, in this book, uh, you told us that he actually had a, a, a record that accompanied it, right?
1: That's right. It's probably the oldest so, record in the history of records.
2: So... <laughs> So in order to keep the show uh, as dull as possible, we decided to play some of them. Is, is that correct? Yeah, we've got side A of, uh, because it was a
1: double-sided, flexible, seven-inch disc. Oh, so lucky. That was included with early copies of Breakthrough. And um, it does, I mean, each side is about ten minutes long. I wouldn't dream of playing anybody more than about two minutes of it. It is the dullest. But like, let's listen for themselves.
2: All right, so we're going to play it.
1: Yep, yeah, I think we should go for it as soon as uh, Ben tells us it's good to go.
3: Good to go. The text spoken by the voices and the sound volume are exactly the same as in the original recording. To help the air adapt itself to the strange rhythm, rapidity, and softness of the voice entity's speech, each utterance is repeated several times. The voices here selected are grouped according to the persons addressed and their respective answers, followed by a translation and explanation. They are examples chosen to give the reader a breakthrough, an acoustic illustration of the material presented in the book. The listener is asked to read any text spoken in languages he does not know with particular attention so that he may be able to grasp each separate word phonetically. Please note the commentary that goes with each voice text as the meaning of some utterances can only be understood in context with the situation that gave rise to them.
0: The first voice is that of Margarete Petrowski who had told the experimenter during her lifetime that she did not believe in an existence after death. After her passing, the experimenter asked her how she felt in the beyond, and a voice, identified as coming from Margarete, answered, Bedenke, ich bin. German, imagine, I am. Again we hear Margareta Petrowski's voice, this time calling her former employer, doctor Zenta Maurina. Zenta.
1: I think uh, yeah. Well, there we are. That was. Oh, uh, actually, that was intriguing, Steve. you well, I, you can listen to the whole twenty minutes of the disc.
2: Um, is, is there a link that we can put on our a site for people to? If, if people
1: is, just if people Google breakthrough, I, I will uh, take care of that. I will break, take care breakthrough that. DVD. I'm sure that there is. Um, uh-huh. Excellent. I made I, I made my, that copy is one for I made actually from the disc itself. The what's interesting though is that
2: Was that excuse me was that Roddy Davis's voice?
1: And uh, no, that was me, that was uh, his one of his research assistants. Okay. Um, thank he, you. you do hear him speak later though. Oh, um yeah. but Constantine one of the things that you, uh, the disc also explains, is the classification system, and and what you hear in that um, is something again that he identified uh, as being a particular, um, particularly important with respect to electronic voice phenomena, in that they were what he termed polyglot. Um, that means that the 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 sentence or phrase that was spoken. Mm-hmm. Would would be perhaps in two or three languages t- at the same time. So one word might be German, then you would have English, then Latvian, or English, English, French, or French, English, German. I, the other thing that he noted was that there was a musical quality to the voices. They didn't just come across as robotic radio voices in fact they had nothing at all to do with radio because what you hear on breakthrough are all um with one exception i think uh, diode voices so these were all being captured with the radio yeah, i think it
2: was that they call sing song
1: uh, yeah uh, polyglot and sing song now what you don't see you, you do find that with a lot of other researchers raymond cass and others they reported the same the same um sort of voices mm-hmm. But you don't find that with modern EVP and you don't find it with uh, recorder only EVP from haunted locations. There you find often distorted, broken, very hard to understand um, words and phrases that that can be interpreted. And, and, and I saw this on Saturday night, the same sound interpreted three or four different ways by three or four different listeners. Uh, of course. Absolutely. Um, now, yes, on Breakthrough, because it's, it's um, a book, it's a record that accompanies a book, uh, it's pointless of not putting the transcription in before the audio because mm-hmm. the book is giving you the transcripts anyway. Um, but it, the clarity of the voices is really quite different than the clarity of modern voices because RoudiVer only really used Class A EVPs or what he termed Class A EVPs, and you can you can hear a distinct voice sound, um, and you you, you know there, it isn't hard to determine that there's somebody speaking. What what can be hard to determine is what they're saying because of the polyglot, that the, the multiple-language nature. And sceptics have argued, of course, that because of the, the claim of it being polyglot, that really, you know, people are just making words fit the sounds um, and just finding a suitable word in any language that they can. And that was one of the criticisms of Raudiva, um, that he was uh, given off, uh, offered up by the sceptics, and that, that he was just making words fit the sounds, what they, what the skeptics had to agree on, though universally, is that there were sounds, that there was, um, you know, there was clearly something on the recording. Right. They couldn't I mean, deny that the evidence of there were, that there was something um, on the recording. And Radhika, he 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 established there were four uh, characteristics of voices, that the voice entities speak very rapidly. In a mixture of languages, sometimes using as many, fi- as many as five or six different languages in a single sentence, um, that they speak in a definite rhythm. And this is what you said, um, mm-hmm. that there is a definite rhythm. The rhythmic mode imposes a shortened telegram style phrase or sentence. It was quite, uh, they, they spoke in sound bites, we might say today. Right. Uh, and because of this, grammatical rules
2: were frequently ab- um, abandoned. Uh-huh. And, and one thing, you know, when I, I you know when I brought this to uh, Colin Smythe, or Smith, whatever you want to call him, his mm-hmm. book, Colin just didn't accept it. He, he read a series of his own experiments, and oh,
0: yeah.
2: uh, uh, he did a lot of test recordings, and uh, I remember uh, there's, there's one account that uh, he asked Peter Bander, uh, editor of Breakthrough, to listen to a tape. After listening, Bander heard a woman's voice saying in German, why don't you open the door? Bander recognized that it was his mother's voice. Bander and his mother had done all of the correspondence by tape, and her voice was unmistakable. The message was also made sense, because during the previous week, Bander had insisted on keeping the door of his office closed. His colleagues had teased him over his seclusion. Bander knew Smythe could not understand German, so he asked others to write down it phonetically, what they heard and they all heard the same thing so that's go back to the, the classifications that would be a class A right. I mean that, that's the intriguing thing not the stuff that we get on little ghost hunts today but the, the serious I don't. Tests. I don't
1: think I, yeah I think even calling um, what they do today electronic voice phenomena is misleading because it couldn't be any more different than EVP research that's done in EVP laboratories uh, by researchers around the world
2: mhm and, and that's the key. A lot of it's done in the blah, 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 blah Yeah, they, they don't need haunted houses. No, you don't. <laughs> so, anyways, I know we're coming up into the break, but uh, when we come back, we're, we're going to talk a little bit more about this as, as well and some of the uh, tests. And, in fact, we have our own EVP uh, research that we're doing, and uh, hopefully... Uh, We'll touch on that when we come back as well. So here's the tune. you listen to Ghost Chronicles International right here on Tojanet and Pararex Radio. And we'll be right back after the following messages.
0: Welcome to Toginet, radio with a cutting edge Call us at 978-474-8010 or check us out on the web at www.circlesofwisdom.com. Lots to see and do in a feel-good place. An oasis in this hectic world. They're creepy and they're kooky, mysterious and spooky. they all talk gookie, the para family. The shows are paranormal, not stuffy but informal. The topics are abnormal, the para family.
3: They're strange,
0: deranged, unrestrained.
3: So grab your favorite brew, it's time to rendezvous. As we give awards to the para family.
1: If you can hear my voice, uh, I'd like you to leave me a message on the radio as you're listening to Ghost Chronicles International, with England's very own Van Helsing and the gold standard in ghost hunting. Hmm. And tonight the topic is electronic voice phenomena. Is it real or is it all just a load of
2: noise and mush? And actually, we have a question on, on that in the chat room. Yeah.
1: That's field the question evp is so fascinating is it really voices of the dead asks penelope well i the it there have been different uh, explanations put forward and it, it rather depends on what you're looking for because obviously if you're doing electronic voice phenomena research um and you're getting responses a, a great deal of how you interpret the responses comes down to the individual who's doing the, the experiments, and there are some researchers who have done um, experiments using EVP techniques who claim that the responses are, are not coming from the dead, but are coming from other planets or other dimensions, um, and Trump's from, here. Yeah, so, so you get various claims as to cause you know, where the voices are coming from. Um, Raudiva as I say, he reached the conclusion that the voices were coming from the deceased because of the, of the nature of the responses. But there have been UFO researchers using um, almost uh, identical Centaurus. experiments yeah. who have said that they've been able to contact the, the inhabitants of Alpha Centauri or Mars or in one bizarre uh, experiment, the inhabitants of the sun.
2: You know, it's really funny you mentioned that, Steve, because we, we get the same thing With uh, EVPs, Uh, you know, I mean, not EVPs, uh, the Ouija board. You get people that that, that say, oh, these are voices dead. You get some people say, oh, these are demons. And then you do. You get aliens. Uh, There's a a gentleman who contacts uh, uh, aliens all the time on his Ouija board. And also, I I believe there's a thing called, oh, I'm going to lose it, the Zoe effect or something like that. Uh, I can't think of the name of it. It begins with a Z anyways. Uh, We did a show on it with... uh, uh, Mary Ellen Guiley, uh, a few uh, months back. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, isn't that funny that it's, once again, it goes down to interpretation, correct? Oh, absolutely. And it even comes across into mediumship itself
1: because there are a lot of mediums who claim to be able to channel aliens and extraterrestrials and gods. <coughs> and God. And, and But it, it very much comes down, there's an old saying, isn't there? You, you always see, you see the God you want to see. And I think because this is a subjective experience, you hear a sound, you hear a noise um, on your recorder, and there was no doubt on Ralph Diva's recordings there were sounds. And often, when you come back from a haunted building and you play back your recorder, there is sound on that recorder. Mm -hmm. Um, What you then make of that sound, how you interpret it, right? And how you interpret it is really the subjective part. And a lot of people now. Um, They'll take this raw sound and then they'll put it into Audacity or some other computer program. Mm -hmm. And they will have an idea of what they want it to sound like or that they know that the spirit in the building was called George because the medium said so. Uh, And so they will actually play with the sound recording. They will filter it and electronically uh, edit it uh, in the they call it analysis until it's uh, it sounds like what they wanted it to sound like. Oh, did
2: did Roddy Rod, uh, do, do that similarly as well? Didn't he? He definitely uh, uh, played with the sound, I believe, on it. Uh,
1: he used he used some uh, noise cancelling or very basic soft um, not software. He didn't have software, uh, <laughs> but very, very basic electronic noise. Um, cleaning mm-hmm. to try and remove some of the uh, to try and uh, make it uh, improve the clarity of it. So it's basically changing the frequency responses. So it's more like using a um, the sliders on the old um, oh what's that thing called? You move all the different so Yeah, yeah. Oh God, that's, that's all right. But, uh, you, yeah, you got. You know, where you can boost the bass and cut the treble, and right, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, one of those. That's all he really did. But you look at the the ability of something—a free piece of software like Audacity, um, which you can download for nothing and play with on your on a on a modern computer—and you can make the bloody thing sound like anything you wanted to sound like, or any animal right. you wanted to sound like, or from any planet that you imagine. You know, you can play it forwards, backwards, you can speed it yeah, up. Yeah, but in it all out. fairness,
2: he so does, does have his values in, in that you can of convert it recordings does. and stuff like that. It's it's how much you manipulate it that oh, yeah, well, I think is the issue.
1: Yeah, I, and it's rather like with digital photography, where you can you can add a ghost or take away a person, um, or take <laughs> away an entire building if you want to. <laughs> That's true. Um, you can with Audacity or and other you know sound editing programs. They're incredibly complicated, um, and they they, they allow um, researchers to do a great deal. Now there are um, some people who use software, um, and on uh, a couple of occasions, I've actually uh, worked with these people to use uh, to look at or listen to. EVP. Now, these people for, are called forensic acoustic analysts or forensic audio analysts. And they're actually, their primary job is to listen to the audio from things like cockpit voice recorders from Aircraft Black Boxes right. um, or crime scene. So they're forensic yeah. scientists,
2: basically. Yeah,
1: they are crime. forensic scientists, and they yeah. use software in a very, very uh, uh, methodical manner. You know they they will change one setting by one percent and then they will save that they document rather like it when you were at school every single change they make to um, in the process they they record uh, what they've done and how much they've done it by so that you can go backwards you can step backwards through what they uh, what they've done and they can clean up sound and they can they can enhance the voice of uh, the, the aircraft crew or the personal crime scene or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, importantly, uh, I mean, it takes years to be an acoustic forensic acoustic analyst. Years. Um, and they're right. using software way more capable than Audacity. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, importantly, they stress that, ultimately, the interpretation of um, what's on the audio, um, how they break up the word, they can, they can take each word and chop it into individual phonemes, each individual portion. Mm-hmm. But they but they make the point of saying that at the end of all that, um, you're still reliant on a human being saying what they believe
2: the says. <laughs> uh, there isn't a computer that, you know. There's no no voice recognition science where well, that will. Well, actually, well, you know what? I, I, we, Steve, do have, Steve, we do have. You know what? We have all these voice commands. I was going to say, we have. And and the thing about it is, I can understand because they often misinterpret mis- uh, it, and this is the computers. Uh, you know, especially me. They all by the voice recorder, my TV, a voice in my car. They they never understand me. And uh, but that being said, they they also uh, like autocorrect, and so forth, will uh-huh. change things that you know that they don't don't really hear. That's right, and I. I, I've
1: played around by playing EVPs to Siri um, and other, and on my, on my computer at home, it's got oh, it's, it will read it will read texts, it mm-hmm. will read messages, and and, and uh, or, you know it will do all sorts. Of, so I've had it, I've played it EVPs and said read it back to me or you know write on the screen what you're hearing, and it it never comes up with anything. It's it's not even gobbledygook. The computer can't deal with EVP, probably because of so much noise, because the human being hears in a very, very different way than a machine. If you go into uh, a busy restaurant or bar and you put your voice recorder down between you and a friend and record the conversation, the chances are when you go back home and listen back to the conversation, you won't be able to hear very much of the conversation at all. And yet, across a crowded bar or a restaurant, you have no trouble understanding um, your, your partner in a conversation because you are doing an awful lot more than just listening with your ears or okay. a microphone. Because you're, you're lip-reading, you're putting things into context, you're, you use your eyes every bit as much as you use your ears when you're having a conversation across a crowded, noisy environment. Um, but a machine can't do that. So it just faithfully records all of the sounds. So when we're having a conversation um, in such a a situation, our brain is filtering out all of the extraneous information, all of the extraneous sounds, um, by using our eyes and our ears in combination. Uh, And we're able to... happily understand one another and yet when you play that recording back of course the machine has faithfully recorded every frequency every sound every passing vehicle uh Mm. the clatter of plates and you can't uh, i can't i i can't hear anything of the conversation at all now Mm -hmm. so you have okay
2: go ahead well yeah now uh in uh, 2005, uh, in the uh, Journal of Society of Psychological Research, uh, there was a, uh, a report published by a, a gentleman by the name of Alexander McRae. Are you familiar with this? Uh,
1: yes, he's a, a researcher based in the UK, up in Scotland.
2: Now, he uh, he conducted his own recording session using a device of his own design they generated EVP. I'm not sure how you generate EVP, but uh, in an attempt to demonstrate that different individuals would interpret EVP in, in the recordings the same way. So, in other words, he's looking for a clarification. This is, you know, are these uh, really getting uh, everybody hearing the same thing. Uh, Merck Gray asked seven people to compare some selections to a list of five phrases he provided, and uh, to choose the best match, oh I see what he did here and uh, the results of the listening panel were indicated uh, that the selections were of paranormal origin so I, I see what he did is he, he actually provided the phrases and yeah. people interpreted them yeah um, his experiment
1: is is I'll say it's documented in the journal for the SPR
2: um, yeah.
1: however um, there have been others who have uh, noted that there are a number of serious problems with uh, with, uh, with McCrae's particular experiments. Okay,
2: uh, so you are familiar with a little bit then.
1: Well, uh, I was I was thinking to add the rider to that um, by saying I don't want to go into the problems that they've highlighted with the experiments because McRae is notable for threatening legal action over anybody and everybody who... Did. <laughs> um, so, I, it. I'm not going to stick my head <laughs> on, over, above the parapet to say, other than to say, that work has been uh, criticised for mm-hmm. a number of problems. But in, everybody's work is criticised. Um, yeah, but I, not everybody threatens to bring right. down the formula. lot. Of, that's true. Yeah. But, um, right. but, I mean, you, they had a limited selection and they had a choice to make so they will make a choice if they had no cho- if they had um free choice just tell me what you think it says you would you may have a lot more randomness in the responses you know i remember the days on most haunted when they used to play evps on the show on the live shows um, at the start of the show there would be a selection for evps and then um they would get people to phone in or text in with what they thought the EVP said. Now, what would happen is at the start of the show, this ticker tape that ran across the bottom of the screen said Mrs. Mrs. Mary Smith from says, I," you know, it's a man's voice saying, I'm going to kill you, and then somebody else would say it's a little girl's voice. Uh, And you would get a lot of very random responses at the beginning of the show uh, running along this ticker tape at the bottom. Now, as the show went on, and as more and more people, of course, read the ticker tape and listened to the EVPs, by the end of the show, three hours later, there was wasn't really much surprise to discover that 70% of people were all saying, uh, all claiming it to hear the same thing, because they were being told what, you know, that somebody else had heard. I'm going to kill you. They re-listened to it. And said, oh yeah, I agree with that. I can hear it now, because priming the pump is is critical uh, rather like the medium will tell you um as you go on the ghost hunt. now the ghost in here he likes to stroke women's hair or touch people on the shoulder or touch people on the back they're basically saying you know this is what you're going to expect and if you go to an evp session and the person is somebody suddenly, suddenly shouts out i can hear it say george and you're gonna die well three other people are probably likely to agree then somebody else will after replaying it a second or third time will hear the same thing and you always get a few people who afterwards will bravely say but, um, that well I didn't really hear it but my friend said that they could hear it and so I thought it was you know, um, yeah. I thought that's Said too. So they, they will go along with the, the majority decision and agree with the majority decision. So you get this false consensus, this false agreement. Um, now, Anne Winsper um, has also highlighted in her work one of the other problems of EVP research, and that is uh, in any experiment where you um, play people or you give people audio recordings to listen to, as McRae did. Um, perhaps over the internet, perhaps by CD, perhaps you know on a, on a, um, you send them the sound files. You mm-hmm. have got no control over the playback device. Some people will be using $200 headphones. Some people will u- be using $2 right. headphones. Um, you have no control over one of the most important variables. So what Anne has had to do is uh, she can't... When, that's why she's been so desperate for participants, because she can't just mail out the sound file she's using right uh she actually has to take the device to the individual so they're all getting exactly the same
2: uh, and, and people don't realize that but how you listen to it is, is just course. as important as how you record it and Absolutely. and i always bring you up as an example steve because uh at the uh the uh lighthouse we do uh ghost tours and we always play some evps and there's one evp that's played on her. it says crap and when we played inside the lighthouse, and we've been doing this for years, everybody does not hear crap at all. They hear it, it's uh, something I forget—B uh, right or something like that. B right or, or whatever. Even Jeremy, however, is about the only person and he knows what it says. Even though I know what it says, I hear B right. But yet, yeah, you came over and uh, you did the ghost hunt, and we had a bunch of people. So we did the EVPs outside, and when we did the EVPs outside, everyone heard crap and nobody heard be right so once again that's how important uh listening to it and, and how yeah, you exactly. situ-
1: yeah. i mean you've you've been in the situation you will no doubt um been in the situation where you're in a large empty hall or oh, um, okay. garage space trying to talk to somebody 10 feet away That mm-hmm. you know uh, you can do at home in the you know in the front parlor Um, But at the same distance in a large empty hall, the sound waves hitting the walls and floor and ceiling and reverberating back and forth destroy any intelligibility. Now, when I I was doing my uh, infrasound measurements and sound measurements of buildings, one of the tests that sound engineers always perform at rock concerts, for example, is something called the steeper test, which is a speech intelligibility assessment test. Um, which is a recognized um, in- industry standard. Um, and it looks at how the sound waves in the uh, the frequency range of the human speaking voice are affected by the local environment of the building. Um, and when they're designing uh, acoustic venues, uh, when they're designing music studios or radio studios, these steeper tests form part of the... Um, work that's done beforehand because you know uh, we have a we have a really cool building here in west wales it's a uh, dome tower that was built in the victorian era and it has a domed roof mm-hmm. and i'm sure you've heard of the whispering gallery at st paul's cathedral in london mm-hmm. uh, this has a very similar phenomena there is a particular point where you um, underneath this uh, low dome roof it's about 10 feet high um, and it's a parabolic dome, so rather like an upward, uninverted an parabola. Um, and if you stand in a particular spot on the on the floor, you can't actually hear when you speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, okay. hit, <laughs> because yeah. the sound waves are just dissipated, it's it's like it's like the, the sort of kind of how a stealth fighter works. You know, the the radar waves hit it and they're just sent off in all sorts of. They don't come back to your own ears, so you don't right. hear what you're saying.
2: And it's intriguing, too, because when you came over here, we went to Hammond Castle, and Hammond Castle, they actually had one of the rooms that was built so that Hammond could hear everything his guests were saying. In other words, okay. it, was, it was the reverse of what your dome was, and yep. that it was sensitive so that he could hear everybody even their whispers.
1: Exactly. Well, the other effect of the uh, Tower Museum is that the, you can't hear what you're saying. Uh, somebody about 60 feet away around a corner in the, in the adjacent corridor can hear you, even if you're whispering. Oh, really? That's pretty uh, And that's cool. the effect of the Whispering Gallery at St Paul's. Mm-hmm. Now, this thing is a huge circular gallery at the top of the dome of St Paul's Cathedral in London. And you can stand at one side and have somebody 70 or 80 feet away on the opposite side, and you can speak to each other in whispers. And yet, if you talk in a normal uh, volume voice, you can't—the the sounds run together and it becomes unintelligible. But if you whisper, you can hear each other perfectly well.
2: So we we have claims with all these new devices that that are out there, and we talked about some from the beginning of the show, of, and and how they kind of manipulate the sound and everything. But uh-huh. their <coughs> excuse me, their answer to that is that they're just attempting to make. Uh, the process of speaking easier for spirit versus uh, just yeah. a straight recorder. So, how do you how do you answer that?
1: Well, you can't because you can't say that they're not. Um, you could say it's unlikely, and the skeptics, you know, the skeptics can say it's sure not don't. <laughs> The skeptics will say, uh, argue it's not on the basis that of course spirits don't exist. But we don't actually know that they do, and we don't actually know that they don't. What we can say with absolute certainty, because we can measure the frequency of the recordings and blah, 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 we can say that there is absolutely, definitely something that has been recorded. We can't say with uh, certainty what that something is. We can say it sounds like a voice, it sounds like a word, uh, it sounds like a sentence. What we absolutely, definitely cannot say anything about is the cause. Um, you know, we don't know whether it's coming from the dead, whether it's coming from some uh, physics within the recording device, uh, as happened with the famous Panasonic D R sixty. Um, the leg- about,
2: like twelve, fourteen hundred dollars, know? Yeah.
1: And the reason the reason that you know, uh, the I mean this device is legendary for capturing ele- electronic voice phenomena yep. and that's why. However, everybody seems to accept now that the reason it captures them is because it was broken um, from the start. It was a very poor design. The audio game chip uh, was basically badly, badly designed and engineered and it was so susceptible to picking up anything and everything in the radio frequency around it that it was useless as a sound recorder. But of course if you're looking for spurious voices that you can't explain the cause of and you're not really going to ask very many questions because most People, when they're recording... And you got EVPs, $1,400. Well, most people, when they're making EVP recorders, when they get the recorder out of the ghost kit bag and they set it up and say, you know, if there are any spirits here, can you talk to us? They are already accepting that the spirits will talk to them. And they don't question where the voices or where the sounds are coming from. They, they automatically accept that, unquestioningly, that the spirits are speaking to them. Um, they're, uh, they're, mo- they're only concerned with what the spirits are saying. EV, uh, mo- modern ghost investigators are not questioning where the sounds are coming from, merely what the sounds are saying. And this is a huge problem because the first question has to be, what is the source of the re- of the audio that's on that recording? Is it a passing taxi cab? Is it an aircraft going over? Is it just badly designed circuitry? That- it is no, no it should never be a question of well, what it's saying because that is a huge leap into presuming that it's an intelligent response uh, without any evidence that it is an intelligent response or that it's indeed it's even a person speaking at all and this is a it's a discussion we had at the SPR one year when there was a um, another speaker who was presenting a case for some EVP recordings? Mm-hmm. And um, the discussion was, well, what are they saying? And I said, well, the discussion shouldn't be what are they saying. The discussion should we have it? We should be having is wh- how did the rec- how did the sounds get onto the recording? Um, so I think that is an important question that most investigators fail to ask themselves: is right. not what is it saying. How did it get on the recording? Because if you can answer that question, um, you know, if you can demonstrate that it was, because some of these spirits sound awfully like BBC radio and, you know, they've <laughs> Justin Bieber.
2: But was it you uh, that... Uh, and they you, song lyrics. <laughs> wait, wait is, is it you that told me that uh, about a uh, a religious uh, experience a house was having? Uh,
1: it might have been.
2: Uh, there, there was a house, somebody did an investigation at a house, and and the, the the people felt that they were uh, receiving messages from God. Oh, from the,
1: yeah, when they were picking up the actual radio broadcast from the local mosque. Yes, yes. So, yes, anyway, yes, yes that's okay. quite a, All right, right so, anyways, there's,
2: there's the bell, so we do have to go. But I do want to mention uh, we have our own experiment that we're, we're attempting to get yes. started here, and, uh, and on June 6th, uh, at 6 o'clock, you have to turn on your recorder for six minutes and uh, see what you get. It's very simple. Is there anything on it? Uh, if there is, if can you interpret it? I guess the interpretation is the word. Or, uh, is that how we're saying this? I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen back like to it. See what's on it. Okay, and uh, then let us know. And But we've got to expand that a little bit more. We want to know who's taking part in this. And we want to know even if you don't get something, because that's critical too. Oh, yeah, uh, Absolutely. Yeah, so th- that's the only really point. So on June six uh, at uh, six o'clock, turn on your recorder for six minutes. We'll also, uh, and hopefully this is going to work this time. I- I'll do it live on Facebook as well. We so. should just,
1: we should just add that that's six p.m. Uh, Eastern time.
2: Eastern Standard Time. Thank you very much, Steve. Uh, which Tem- is eleven
1: p.m. UK time.
2: Yeah, there was a little problem last time. <laughs> so uh, just saying.
1: on on six 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 at six p.m. Eastern time put yeah. your recorder on for six minutes and it is important that we know if you participated and if you got nothing at all because otherwise if yeah. you get three three responses we will assume that all three people were the only three people and that's 100 percent success yeah. so of course it could be 300 people
2: so I, I was thinking actually having people pre-register otherwise just let us know that they are going to take part in this and that way we'll have a feel for a uh, the base, at least, at least.
1: Uh, yeah, I think I think we should set up just a comment section where people can say uh, "me too" or, yeah. or something on it.
2: All right, that works fine for me. Uh, so, anyways, we do have to go because we've run out of time. Anything you want to add? Uh, we've got guests
1: coming up in the next few weeks, and Nicola Tesla.
2: There you go. And also, uh, don't forget to tune in to the West Files. Uh,
1: that's right, Mondays at uh, ooh, nine o'clock on um, PureWestRadio.com.
2: There you go. So till next time, uh turn on those recordings and see if you hear me say good night and God bless.
3: Good night, God bless.